Greetings, Tarnished, and welcome to this week's episode of the Elden Archives, a Robots Radio Rocket Club show where we discuss the lore of Elden Ring. This week's episode is about Melania, the Blade of Mikola. I am AK Spartan. I'm Gatsu. And we are excited to get into this this week. Now, this one is interesting because this is only the second episode topic where it, it's also a boss fight. Like we talked about Radigan, which is part, I guess, phase one. Technically, he's not his own boss fight. He's phase one of the final boss fight of the game. Melania, the Blade of Mikola, uh, is also a boss fight. One of the more challenging ones by most accounts in the game. And just like last time with that, you know, we wanted to talk about that first. Gatsu, what do you what do you think about this boss fight? I mean, where does this where does this stack up for you? I am a little biased against this fight. I'm a little bit I'm a little salty. I never beat her. The two times that I have beaten the game, I wasn't able to pull it off. She's a really tough fight. I didn't want to by my own, you know, self-written rules. But I didn't want to summon anybody into my world to help me out, so I was just running it solo. Did you uh did you use a um uh ash of, or summoning ash? I I believe I did. The thing is like mimic tier or something like that. I actually so fun fact, I didn't know about the mimic tier my first two times. My most recent playthrough, which is um, more of like a dexterity build, and I'm actually about to go up against her in this run. But the first two runs that I did, I didn't. I missed the mimic tier, which is arguably one of the best summons in the game. So I didn't have that. Odds were stacked against me, and I was mainly just a pure like strength build with just heavy armor. So I was pretty slow. I defeated her first phase a few times, um, but the second phase was just way too brutal for me. So uh, would you say then that to you, Melania is the hardest boss in Elden Ring or, or, or would there, is there, is there another boss that has given you trouble or that maybe you haven't beaten or, or is it, would you say it is Melania? Out of all of the bosses, because again, I will say there are bosses that I have yet to face myself. But the only other boss that had given me this level of trouble, which again, because of my own self-imposed rules and whatnot, was the fire giant. I I struggled immensely against him. I don't I find that fight frustrating, fire giant. I just I just don't like how patient that fight makes you stay because I want to take care of things faster than that. That fight gives me trouble too. Right, yeah. I feel like it's uh very easy to get swept up in the moment and try to just rush in and just chip out that last bit of health you need to finish the job. That's usually when you get caught. But no, to answer your question, I will say yes, I do think Melania is definitely my personal artist boss that I had to face. Okay, yeah. Because I wanted to ask, especially with you saying that you haven't beaten her, because obviously you had mentioned you've beaten the game twice, but uh, beating Melania is something you haven't done yet. I'll share my thoughts here. I, I don't think personally for me, Melania is the hardest boss. I think the the one thing about the Melania fight that I think makes it a little bit easier than some of what I would consider the harder bot, the hardest bosses 
in Elden Ring is the fact that she is uh, staggerable. If you have a heavy enough weapon and you're and you're able to get the hits in, you can kind of toss her around a little bit. Also, um, one, I, I've beaten her. I've beaten the game four or five times now. The first run through, I didn't go to the Hallow Tree at all. My very first run through the game on New Game Plus on that run was the first time I fought her. I was a, a caster, like a dual wield swords caster magic build. That was pretty easy at that point, I felt like, compared to like some of the other fight. I, I think Malaketh is harder, in my opinion. Malaketh is a son of a bitch to me. I, I, I you can't stagger him. And uh, like you can Melania, yeah, I think he, I think obviously you could use the Blasphemous Claw to cheese it. F- funny enough, with the, the Blasphemous Claw being connected to Rikert uh, and being the cheese for Malaketh, what I think is the hardest boss in the game, the Blasphemous Blade, which is the uh, boss weapon you get from Rikert's boss soul, is in my opinion, one of the better cheeses for Melania. That Ash of War will toss her. If you hit her with it, the 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 uh, the lava that shoots out from the uh, the blasphemous blade that will toss Melania in the first phase. It also heals you as you use it, so you can give her a taste of her own medicine. There, that is also many people consider that are one of the most OP weapons in the game. So it's not such a surprise. I mean, I, I don't really even feel right. I guess calling that the Melania cheese, but that's kind of because that's kind of just like Elden Ring cheese. You know, get, grab the blasphemous blade and take care of things. But I do think that's a funny coincidence there that both of the some of the two of the more cheesier ways to approach some of the harder bosses in the game are connected to Rikard. But I, w- I want to jump onto another thing there. Aside from the boss fight, now I I know that you wouldn't have you wouldn't have used this in game yet because you haven't defeated her. But her great rune is my favorite great rune in the game because essentially what her great rune does is make Elden Ring Bloodborne. And what I mean by that is, like, in Bloodborne, there's that regain mechanic where if you get hit, your health bar will... You don't just lose all that health. There will be... It will... Instead of just going away, your health bar will change from red to, like, an orangish color. And if you hit your enemies before that goes away, then you will be able to get that health back. It's a regain system on your health. So instead of just getting hit and losing all that damage outright, if you get hit and you counterattack quickly enough in Bloodborne, you get that health back. Melania's Great Rune adds that mechanic to your character in Elden Ring. When you get hit, your health bar will not just go down, or it will go down, but it won't just go away immediately. You will have a little, like, faded portion of the health bar, and if you land hits... After receiving that damage, you'll be able to partially recover that HP. I have so much fun with that great rune because you're able to be more aggressive and get health back for yourself while you're staying on the offensive. Yeah, no, that would be a lot of fun. So in a sense, you're kind of gaining her ability to heal herself through hurting others for yourself. Yeah, you're kind of doing what she does in the fight. Like, because in her fight, I'm pretty sure that it's just every time she hits you, like you don't have to hit her first for her to get the the regain. Like she she can just siphon your health, but it, it's pretty similar. And like I said, it's it's essentially, you know, FromSoft from basically just took one of the major components of Bloodborne that that regain system that tied in with the healing mechanics of Bloodborne, and in a smaller smaller instance, basically just like ported that mechanic into Elden Ring via this great room. 
which I think I think that in itself is very cool to see to see them take such a big aspect of one of their other games and find a way to make that mechanic work in a different IP like and so the so the players can still enjoy that mechanic because I was like that regain system is very popular there are a lot of people don't a lot of people have things to say about things like blood vials and that healing in Bloodborne, but that regain mechanic was very popular. No, I I remember it my for myself. I mean, I played Bloodborne, so uh, yeah, and I enjoyed it a lot in that. So I'm gonna definitely have to pop back into my most recent run of Elden Ring and try and get that rune for myself because now that I know what it does, I feel like. I kind of have to agree with you in a sense. Like, it seems like the best one there is. Uh, yeah, I, I think a lot of them have different utilities, but it's it's definitely very powerful. And, and power and that sort of that sort of thing, that's kind of something that Melania, Melania's character is very much about. I, I mean, she's she introduces herself as you know uh have never no, never knowing defeat now is that entirely true we don't necessarily know i guess but she's very clearly well regarded for her skills as a warrior you know as a combatant and we actually know about from a lot of different sources actually there are two other shard bearers in the lands between that she has gone toe to toe with that we have record of. There might actually be more, but we know that she has actually done, obviously from like the opening cinematic and everything, we know that she, and actually even some of the teasers from the game from well before launch, we know that she has, of course, her epic battle with Radon. But even outside of that, she had a battle with Godric at one point. Right. Which he pitifully lost. I mean, according to Kenneth Height, when you're talking to him, he says, honestly, Godric's no more than a jumped up country bumpkin. Lord, don't make me laugh. First, he hid himself amongst the woman folk to flee the capital. Then he hid from Radon in that castle. Then he insulted Melania, lost to her in battle, only to lick her boots rather than die like a man. So I clearly, I mean... Not sure who chose the, who picked the battle here, who picked the fight, but. Well, it seems like, it seems like Godric probably picked the fight. I mean, if, if he insulted Melania and then lost to her in battle, I would kind of assume that Godric, and and just from what we know about Godric, I don't think it would be wrong to assume that Godric was the instigator and Melania just kind of probably defended her honor or however you want to look at it, defended her, you know, defended herself or or maybe just didn't want to deal with Godric and squashed him down. And then the sword grave from right by there also mentions that Godric the Golden, which it's weird to hear Godric mentioned as Godric the Golden, because obviously he is from the Golden lineage. But like, like we find him as Godric the Grafted, like he's so far removed from that glory, those glory days that like he's he doesn't even have the same title. But no, but that sword grave also mentions Godric the Golden humiliated having tasted defeat by the blade of Mikola. So we know from both Kenneth Height and that sword grave description, the sword graves are the clusters of swords literally stuck in the ground and etched with markings like gravestones that you can find throughout the lands between that give you little descriptions. So 
she went toe-to-toe with Godric, handled that pretty clearly. She's the blade of Mikula, so she's out fighting Mikula's battles. But then she also has the, the bigger battle. She has a huge showdown with Radon. And when you face Radon for yourself, you can see that he's clearly still affected. And one of his right-hand men tells you so, that he's still suffering from the Curse of the Scarlet Rot, which points to it being a very powerful thing. So Melania was not something to be messed around with. Well, I mean, take it out a step further, as because you mentioned Radon still being, I mean, Radon's essentially feral because of the Scarlet Rot at the point. We, you, like, we find him in game. But look at look at it a little bit wider than that, even. All, m- most, if not all, of Kalid is just completely destroyed and or altered forever. I, I mean, it wasn't just that Radon is incapacitated. She, she basically dropped a nuclear bomb. And that was only the second time that she's done it. So she hadn't even fully reached her potential to become what she eventually turns into, the goddess of rot. Yeah, and when the thing with the, 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 um, the blooms is... I mean, that's that's all part of her affliction. I mean, I say it basically is like she dropped a nuclear bomb. I mean, she she completely altered the biological life in an entire region of the continent of the lands between. And that power came in part or not in part. That power came from her affiliation with the Scarlet Rot, which comes from her Empyrean curse. And we've talked about that. A couple times now, Empyreans have kind of been the theme of what we've been going over lately on this show. There are a couple different reasons that we've found just from the events of the sh- or the events in the lands between and what we can find, you know, in the lore of why Empyreans are chosen. But Melania was chosen along with her twin brother Mikola because they were the children of a single god, it being the children of Radigan and Merica. Each of them. Being those chosen Empyreans, born of a single god, were cursed. Mikola, like we talked about last week, he was cursed was eternal youth. Melania's was much more straightforward, in my opinion, as she she is cursed with Scarlet Rot. Now, Scarlet Rot is essentially super poison. Like it, it really is. I mean, it's 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 in it's like a pinkish reddish fungal type of growth, poisonous, infectious biological thing that essentially functions like fungi, like it spreads, you know, it spreads like disease, it infects, you know, it, it, it corrupts. And she has this in her body and that's her curse. That's also what she uses with this bloom, why Kaelin has changed. And that's also what she uses against you in the boss fight. Now, Gatsu, like we've kind of talked about, I know you haven't, beaten her but you had mentioned getting to the second phase so you've definitely seen her transform into a goddess there and that's another thing that i think is very interesting about the whole melania side of this is the fact that she is able to become a goddess without to our knowledge without a consort because that was kind of the big thing in the empyrean's episode an empyrean cannot ascend to godhood after being chosen without a consort but melania does melania breaks that rule right it's kind of a odd situation 
where we we don't know exactly how she was able to do this. Now, I think that knowing what we know about the rules for Empyreans and perhaps per, with the possibility that Melania is an exception here, the angle I've taken to looking at this comes from the angle that an Empyrean cannot ascend to godhood without a consort, but a consort is really just another, it's, it's just the male half of the equation there. It's, it, it, Empyreans are typically, or all, exclusively it seems, female characters, lords, and consorts are male characters. And there would seem to me to be a real connection between when the male and female components of this Empyrean lord dynamic get together and when children are born and when new life is brought into the world of the lands between and when the Empyrean ascends to godhood. I, it seems to me that once the Empyrean gets, uh, con, you know, consorts with the Lord and can create new life, that is when they ascend to godhood. Cause why else would the consort be essential for ascending to godhood? But with the scarlet rot, it's essentially overgrown plant life it's it's biological in nature itself like Kaled's not dead like Kaled has just changed there's new plant life there there's new things it's not it's not like it's it's destroyed forever it's it's forever changed and so with that in mind the way i've come to look at it is that with the nature of the scarlet rot that perhaps melania was able as an while being an empyrean is able to bring life into the world of the lands between asexually without needing a consort, a male lord, a, another half to that equation because she can do it through the organic scarlet rot, the plant life. And actually something that to me has kind of always backed that up is a lot of the things you learn about Millicent from Millicent's quest line because it seems like ugh, this is a little tricky, but Melania would seem to have daughters and there's no record of her having taken a consort. So if she's got daughters, which that's a lot of what you find out from Millicent's quest line and Millicent's quest line and Gallery's quest line are essentially the same thing. Gallery uh, being the NPC from Gallery's shack right by Celia in Caleb. But if she has daughters and that can be connected to her. There's no consort. She has this organic plant life inside of her. I think it's entirely possible that that's exactly why she was able to ascend to godhood as she bloomed without needing a actual consort in play. Yeah, I mean, I'm inclined to believe you because when you're doing Millicent slash Gowrie's quest line and you go to the shaded castle to get the Valkyrie's prosthetic or Millicent. Gowrie then mentions that she can now be more like her beautiful mother who is a great warrior and all these sorts of things. And just with that description and also with the fact that she is just was born with this affliction, the same affliction as Melania. I fullheartedly believe that Millicent and her sisters are all daughters of Melania because also it's not uncommon for us to come across weird ways of being born into the world, the lands between. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so I, we went ahead actually and 
pulled some of the dialogue from that quest line, the Millicent and Gallery quest line, because I can't think of another example of a quest line that actually just outright tells you so much information. Like a lot of the quest lines in Elden Ring feel like there's some, like there's some misdirection at play or maybe incomplete information or, or maybe you're being, people are being manipulated or misled. But Gowry is, you know, a devout worshiper of Melania. But there's multiple stages in that quest line where as you complete the quest line and do various steps, you get information from Gowry about this. And two of the first things that really stood out are in the, at the towards the beginning of the quest line. There's a moment where Millicent will visit Gallery Shack after you've done a few things to help get her out of the, the chapel that you originally find her in. And after she leaves, when you go back, Gallery will be back there. And part of what he will say to you is, like her mother, she has the stuff to be a great warrior, but commands only one arm and is yet preciously young. And then later on, when she gets to the prayer room site of Grace... And you speak with her there, which that's that's so far later in the game. She's that's in the Hallow Tree. And you go back to Gallery and speak with Gallery. Then you can tell Gallery the words that she told you. And he will say that they are the words of a true innocent. And then he will say, well, perhaps this is just as it should be. Little Millicent following the steps of her mother, no matter what. He is saying that as she is getting to the Hallow Tree. Those are the two things right there that are kind of like things that really stand out as the uh, the indicators that that is, you know, in some way, shape or form, a daughter of Melania. And then I think also just on top of that, the fact that we know Melania bloomed in Aeonia. So let's say the the asexual reproduction angle is what's happening here. If there was ever going to be a place where that was going to be actively occurring, it would be where Melania bloomed, because that would be where the Scarlet Rot would be at its highest concentration. Because remember, this is a biological, fungal-like thing. Also, uh, Gowry mentions that he found them in the swamp. So that would just be another nail in the coffin, so to speak. Yeah, and another thing that I find interesting is like, because she was, it would seem to be there fighting on Mikola's behalf, no? I mean, she, she, she was, cause she didn't really have her own agenda. She was the blade of Mikola. So she was there in the first place fighting, seemingly fighting Radon to benefit Mikola somehow. I mean, do you have any thoughts on that actually? Yeah, I do. I definitely think that all of a sense, you know, Mikola was in the state and still possibly is in the state that he is in eternally cursed with the youthful appearance he's not going to be out there fighting for himself so it it would make a lot of sense to have melania out there doing the fighting what i'm curious though what mikola was really trying to achieve with melania being his sword well and like we talked about in the mikola episode and a little bit in the radigan episode actually we know from a lot of different sources that Mikola and Melania were very close. I mean, it's not just the fact that her title is literally the blade of, of Mikola. There's several other things. I, I think about even going back to when we talked about Radigan and the Radigan's rings of light item description, which was a gift from Radigan to Mikola. But if you look at the back end of that item description, it says 
And yet, the young Mikola abandoned fundamentalism for it could do nothing to treat Melania's accursed rot. This was the beginning of unalloyed gold. So Mikola abandoned Melania and Mikola's father's teachings, doctrine, faith, the, the whole, the whole shebang, just because he realized that wouldn't help Melania. I mean, he was willing to do so much to try to help Melania that he completely broke away from the ideological teachings of his family. And and she is so dedicated to him that she's willing to not just fight, not just fight wars, because it's not just that she went and fought Radon. She was so determined to complete that task and defeat Radon that she, again, basically dropped a bomb on a, on a region of the continent. So in a sense, you could say that she's kind of fighting for her own survival, not only just against her fellow demigods, but just like to try and stop the spread of the Scarlet Rot. I, yeah, I think that is an interesting way to look at it because, because if Mikola, if she believes that Mikola is the only one that's trying to cure the Scarlet Rot, which he's the only one that seems to have a vested interest in doing that, maybe the Golden Order was trying, but it wasn't working, obviously, because Mikola split away. So he definitely seems to be the only one that cares about the Scarlet Rot. I think that that is an interesting angle because it, if she is, if she is of the belief that he is the only one trying to help her, it makes perfect sense for one, why they're so close, but two, also why she's so determined to help him because helping him frees her from her curse. Right. And so, I mean, I feel like their relationship is about helping each other kind of remove each other's curse. So yeah, that, that definitely is the angle that I had always kind of looked at it from. Well, let me ask you this because we just talked a little bit about their relationship and there are a lot of questions still unanswered about Melania. We talked last week about how it seems almost a guarantee that Mikola will be a major focus of the DLC. Does that mean, in your opinion, that Melania will also be a major focus of the DLC because those two characters are so closely intertwined? But I just wonder what your thoughts might be as to how involved or how much we might learn about Melania in this DLC, considering her affiliation with Mikola, who everybody thinks is going to be a major focus. I I feel like it would be kind of crazy to not have Melania if Mikola is going to be the central focus of this. So the ways that I think Melania will probably be more relevant in the DLC. I don't think we'll fight her again, but. Yeah, I remember asking a few weeks ago, actually, at the end of, I want to say it was the, the, uh, the America episode. I had asked if you had considered the possibility that Shadows of the Erd Tree was actually referencing their shadows. Because Shadows of the Erd Tree, both the Shadows part and the Erd Tree part sticks out to me because Melania and Mikola were born at the foot of the Erd Tree. I mean, they, they lived in Langdell. I mean, they were children of Merica and Radigan. So they would be Empyreans of the Erd Tree. They were also chosen in that age. So Shadows of the Erd Tree, to me, kind of always felt like it was leaning towards the shadows of the Empyreans of the Erd Tree, being Mikola and Melania. So you definitely agree with me on the shadows. We had talked about that before back then. And I remember you 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 being excited. You liked that idea. What do you think those boss fights might look like? So I had actually thought of this the other day. I think the way it would play out 
in my mind. We would definitely be having a boss fight against Melania's uh, shadow. However, I don't think we would have the same with Mikola. I feel that if Mikola is going to be kind of the main central focus of this DLC, it wouldn't be too far-fetched that Mikola's shadow would kind of be an ally towards us and kind of assist us. Because I feel like one theme of the DLC will be that Mikola is somehow lost in some sort of sense so that we need to find him. I think the only thing there is that I just believe that whatever whatever side Mikola's shadow is on. So like if Mikola's shadow is somebody is a, is an entity that we're going to be helping. I don't think there's any chance that Melania's shadow is then an adversary. Like Melania's shadow is almost almost 110% going to be trying to achieve the exact same goal as Mikola's shadow in my opinion. Unless we're looking at some type of like corruption or like altered mind type, you know, maybe, maybe there's something at play there where like Melania's shadow, you know, is not in the right state of being or Mikola's shadow is like, there, there's angles that, that, that I guess what I'm saying is there's angles that could be played where that changes the dynamic. But if we're just looking at it straight, I don't think there's any chance that Mikola's shadow and Melania's shadow are not working together. You do bring up a pretty solid point. The way that I had kind of looked at it was perhaps uh, Melania's shadow, again, like you had mentioned, was under some sort of influence. In my mind, it was due to the Scarlet Rot, where Melania at this point in the game would have had already bloomed as the the goddess of Rot. So maybe it changed her shadow in a sense or something of that nature. I also could see the situation being a little weird because our only reference to Mikola in the game as a physical entity is that cocoon that we find in the Mogwin Palace. So whatever situation is going on there, I could also see being a catalyst and it being kind of weird. I, I think that's an interesting point you make about the potential of the Scarlet Rot to have corrupted Melania's shadow. Because like I said, I, I think that's the only way it works. Like one of the shadows has to be not in their typical state of mind for them to be not working together, in my opinion. But we've already seen the Scarlet Rot be such a presence in a demigod's, uh, in a demigod, that being Radon, that uh, he's essentially feral. So if the shadow of Melania is similarly to Melania afflicted with Scarlet Rot or dealing with Scarlet Rot in any way, I do, I definitely agree with your angle there that the Scarlet Rot could have corrupted the shadow beyond the point of uh, normal cognition or whatever you want to call it. And, and that shadow is therefore an adversary in a, situation where it normally would be an ally. I think that what, this has been a fun episode just because I, I'm I'm glad we finally got to kind of dive into a character or, or something from Elden Ring where there's a lot of actual known information because we, when we, the first couple episodes, I, I mean, the night of the black knives is literally a conspiracy within the lands between America and Radigan are shrouded in mystery. 
Mikola is completely shrouded in mystery. But this week with Melania, I mean, there is a lot that we get to know about Melania and we get to fight her. So I, I just think that it, it's been fun to be able to throw around some ideas about something where there's so much more concrete knowledge available. I agree with you. I mean, I feel like Melania's story is definitely one of the kind of highlights within Elden Ring, in a sense. I mean, she's featured prominently in a lot of you know promotional work and stuff like that. So I definitely am of one of the school of thought that, I mean, this is a pretty lore rich kind of character we have on our hands. So it's definitely been a nice, refreshing change of pace in that, in those terms. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so that is our time for this week. As always, this is the Elden Archives. Uh, a, a robots radio rocket club show if you want to get in touch with the show our email as always you can email us suggestions for episode topics we are always considering episode topics these are these are set up to be evergreen we want these to be things that you can go back to at any point in time and listen to so if there is anything from the lore or any question that you want us to approach from from a certain angle feel free to send us an email you know, comments about the show, feedback in any way of any kind. And that email is the Elden Archives, all lowercase, at gmail.com. We are also on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it. Uh, the show is at Elden Archives. We post episodes there. Uh, we also post, you know, general fun facts, some build tips, things about some gear and things about different things from Elden Ring. And then I am at Elden Spartan. Uh, Gatsu, what's your handle? I am at Gatsu995. And then, of course, being a Robots Radio Rocket Club show, we are, of course, part of the Robots Radio Discord. So if you are involved in that in any way, you can find us both there. You can hit us both up there. And also, the Elden Archives has a channel on that Discord where we can chat. We can throw around ideas about Elden Ring and just sort sort of things like that. Other than that, next week, we have another big episode because next week we have, we're talking about the last Empyrean from the game, at least because of course there's the Glomide Queen, but the last Empyrean that you encounter in the game that we haven't talked about yet, everybody's favorite, seemingly Lunar Princess Ronnie. I could definitely say she is probably one of my favorites. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a very common opinion. And and so next week, everybody can look forward to that. That'll be next Saturday. And other than that, we will see you all at the foot of the earth tree.